Hey, Bass Edge Nation. I'm Kurt Dove. Thanks for checking out the podcast this February, episode 153, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, proud partner of making you a better angler in 2013. Make sure you check them out at keelguard.com. As always, Aaron Martin is at the mic to break down the topics and questions that you, the listeners, care about the most. Aaron, what's going through your mind for this week? It is February, and that means big bass are in the shallows in the south. The spawn is closer in the Midwest, but our friends in the north, depending on how you look at it, they are still ice fishing. You know, I love this time of year because we are able to begin discussion on pre-spawn and spawn and really still continue kind of our banter on cold water techniques. And today is no different as we have Chad Morgan-Taylor on deck for the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight who will join us while on the water in Florida along with the listener question segment where somebody's receiving a $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. This is Bass Edge Radio presented by Keelguard. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. You know, Kurt, with the outbreak of social media, we are really able to kind of have a more personal relationship with our amazing listeners. And I think about that that comment that we just received from Jeff Gannon, you know, who's a dozer operator that downloaded every single episode, you know, and listens to them while excavating. That really makes our job rewarding. Yeah, Aaron, it really does. You know, it's it's great that, you know, just with the uh, iTunes and you can go back and, and listen to every episode, you know, we're we're doing 150 plus episodes now. So uh, lots of great information out there. And uh, not to mention, you know, being able to connect with our listeners via Facebook, Twitter, we you know, kind of revamped and got the Twitter thing going. So that's really exciting. And uh, always continue to have the Facebook, just excellent ways to interact and stay up with the latest with Bass Edge. Yeah, it is. And, you know, in, in kind of looking at those social media spaces, Spaces, it, it seems like there's a lot of things going on. And I know this time of year in particular for me, it always presents a, a little bit of anxiety. And I'm sure it's it's that way for other anglers as well. You know, you have sport, boat shows, you know, scheduling of fishing trips, you know, just the sheer cabin fever from, you know, I know you probably don't have that down in Texas too much, but uh, up in the frozen tundra, you know, you kind of get tired of being inside. And, you know, I know you've probably been dealing with a little bit of that anxiety yourself. No, you're exactly right. And, and even though sometimes you can get out, there's so many things going on in everybody's schedule and life in general. Uh, for, for a professional angler, like you mentioned, it's the getting ready for, you know, the Bassmaster Elite Series for 2013, getting ready for tournaments. You know, if you're working the 9 to 5, it's, you know, you've just had Christmas break. And now, you know, the new year starting to roll out and new initiatives are being brought into work. So there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, with travel, and family life, you know, that you've got to be able to plan out. And um, it's, it's important 
to plan out your events and schedule your recreation so that you can get out there and have some fun. Even in this time of year, at least start thinking about what you're going to be able to do in the springtime once it starts to get a little bit warmer. For sure. And, you know, I think that's a that's really a skill of just anglers in general is being able to prioritize. You know, think about it. Most of us deal with not only decisions on the water, what to throw, when to move, where to start, you know, all those various things that go along with really trying to catch a bass. But then you have to kind of couple that with our careers and manage the family life. You know, there's just a a lot of stuff going on that anglers are really good at dealing with. Yeah. And it's important when you talk about prioritization, you know, to prioritize, you know, when you're able to get out. So, you know, in the evenings, if you got some time, get the boat prepared so that when you get to the weekend, you can really enjoy those times, you know, whether it's your boat or tackle, you know, take 20 minutes in the evening, get some of your tackle ready tie on some new line, get some lures set, you know, think about maybe look at some maps, you know, think about places on the area of the lake that you're going to try and target, you know, over the weekend. So you can get ready during the week, plan in advance. That way, all the time on the water is fun and productive. Yeah, all good stuff there. And certainly an angler that has years of experience in prioritizing and really productive time on the water is this week's featured angler in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. Bass Edgers, we're glad you're back for what promises to be an awesome angler interview. This gentleman has been fighting in the trenches of Bass Wars for so many years, it's hard to remember just how long. He's got a lot of success and most recently a top 15 just a few weeks ago in the FLW Everstart event on Lake Okeechobee. A big Bass Edge welcome to professional angler, Chad Morgan Taylor. Excellent you could be with us today, Chad. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Kurt and Aaron. It's, uh, it's just a wonderful time to be down in Florida, and I'm glad I could share it with you guys. Likewise, we are glad to have you, and certainly, Chad, you are no stranger to the Bass Edge Airwaves. And, you know, I know you're originally kind of from the Midwest, Illinois, my understanding, soon to be Missouri. But, you know, over the years, you have become really, I think, what could be quantified as an outstanding angler in Florida. What is it that you attribute your success to? on those types of waterways, and really what are some of your favorite techniques? You know, probably the biggest thing that I can attribute my success in Florida to is being as hard-headed as you can get on that body of water. And that goes, <laughs> I guess, a little bit twofold. One is not accepting defeat. I mean, uh, there are so many different conditions that get thrown at you in Florida, and those fish react so differently that you just have to realize that you're going to have them days that you put in hours and hours and not get very many bites, but, uh, you know, they'll throw you a clue of what's happened. And then 
Folks, you know, I've had my uh, I've had my rear end handed to me several times down here, but been fortunate enough to either be in the right area and see what I was doing wrong and adapt as times went on. And as Kurt alluded to me, pretty much being older than dirt at this point, uh, <laughs> you know, in the intro here, um, I have got a chance to log a lot of hours in the spring and the fall down in Florida. And, you know, time on the water is something that's just second to none. I mean, you just spend a lot of time doing a lot of different things. And, you know, my biggest strength is Florida is flipping, and it's getting harder and harder to compete on a consistent level uh, at certain times of the year doing that, and certainly whenever the fish decide to take a turn down there uh, when the weather or the water conditions change a little bit. And it's just learning what areas on the particular body of water that you're on that you can fish and get away with under north wind conditions, south wind conditions, east, west, um, what the water clarity and everything is, and then, of course, learning all the different types of vegetation and know when they use it at what times of year and where they bed and, and the history of places on that particular lake under all of those different conditions. It's really uh, an information overload, to be quite honest with you, and it confuses the heck out of me a lot. You can rope me right into there, the confusion sometimes, Chad, but uh, certainly you've taken all those variables and figured out a lot of different ways to catch them. And it, and it seems like one thing to be real synonymous with Florida fishing is Texas rig worm fishing. You know, one of the basic techniques in bass fishing that a lot of us learn or, or begin to learn right off of the uh, get-go when we start to, you know, be a beginning angler. Can you go over your basic gear setup and how you like to coax those big fish into biting with the Texas rig worm? The Texas rig worm for my application in Florida is absolutely a staple. I have to have it, and it varies greatly. You know, it goes from being fished on 50-pound braided line with a 3-8 half-ounce up to a 1-ounce sinker, depending on the conditions and the vegetation that I'm covering. You know, about the lightest I'll ever throw it on is 15-pound fluorocarbon, and that's when things are really getting tough. You know, as far as tackle and terminal tackle, I always use a straight shank hook. I almost always peg my weight because I'm fishing specific targets always with it. And the Texas rig plastic worm, I mean, it's caught fish for years and years and will continue to. And I view it as a finesse technique. When things get a little bit more difficult or the fish are really heavily pressured down there, that's whenever I turn to that. I turn typically to the straight tail stuff which to me even mimics more of a finesse presentation under those certain conditions. It works in a lot of different ways. You can fish it, uh, dead sticking it, pitching it, yo-yo, swimming it, however you choose. But for me, most of the time I'm targeting those fish with, you know, that straight tail worm on heavier tackle because it's going to be a, a difficult situation when you get a six, seven, eight, nine, ten pound bass on and that stuff. got to be able to get him out. More importantly, you got to be able to get the bite, get the hook in the fish. That's where, you know, the pegging the weight, the snell knot, the straight shake hook, and all of that comes into play. And that's just something that I just don't vary from at patience. And sometimes you've got to fish it so slow, and I think that's where a lot of guys make their biggest mistake with the Texas rig worm is they just simply fish it too fast. They think that they've got to make it move to be effective, and that's not the case in a lot of situations down here that I have found. Chad, we've been fortunate, you know, to have biologist Bob Lusk on uh, numerous episodes of Bass Edge, both the television show and then also the podcast and and he talks a lot about the genetical difference between Florida strain bass and then the northern strain their cousins or counterparts and you know one thing about Florida is that it seems even growing up I always heard a lot about how fish in Florida are affected by cold fronts and obviously since experienced that when those temperatures do drop and that mercury's going down and and the bass seem to have the lockjaw what are you doing to be able to get those to bite because man I'm telling you that can just be brutal there is 
no more difficult situation in bass fishing, in my opinion, than Florida strain fish whenever those situations come about. And there's a couple of schools of thought that I deploy to help me try to get bites. I will try to drop to that finesse presentation that I just talked about, turn more to the straight tail worm, lighten stuff up as much as I can get away with, and slow down and stay in the area. If that proves to be unproductive, then the other situation that I tend to lean toward is to go to the really heavy covered where they have buried up and you know I really try to target those fish that are placed in those situations that a lot of guys will fish through too fast and miss and you still have to some extent worry about bait size and um, not so much weight size at that point because you have to use whatever it takes to get through and get into and effectively fish that particular piece of uh, vegetation or structure and then the one thing that has been done down here in Florida it just happens occasionally but when it happens it happens in a big way and that's that reaction you know, those fish are still there, but you have to be around large concentrations of fish at that point. And that's when your traps or your chatterbaits come into play. And um, Brett Hype won a tournament. He absolutely beat me like I've never been beaten before down here in an FLW event when the temperature was in the 30s and it had dropped out of the 60s. And we were both in an area and I targeted the heavier vegetation stuff. And he fished actually the open holes in the migration routes with a chatterbait and ended up blowing the tournament out by like 25 or 30 pounds. It was an ungodly amount at the end of four days. And, you know, I did terrible in the event. And that really opened my eyes to that reaction bite. So I've incorporated that over the years to try it. And really, it doesn't take long because you, you know where those groups of fish are. And you go out and you try to, you know, get them to react to that trap bite just like you would if you were in Alabama or even somewhere up north, you know, ripping it out and through the grass, changing over the trees. And then the chatterbait is a great complement to that. The other baits, you know, seem to like the swim bait bite seems to kind of go away whenever that happens. So the reaction bite and the heavy cover or the finesse situations are the three tactics that I employ to try to go ahead and get through that rough spot and hope that it turns around, you know, quickly. On the heavy cover, is that because it's a security situation? Does it have a temperature, heat situation? Why are you going to the heavy cover? That's a good question. It can't really be answered. I'll, I'll put it as short and sweet as I can so I keep Kirk confused on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a security deal. You know, these fish, they stage with the available cover in the situation that they have on hand. And that's typically the deal. And, and when you find those sweet spots, that are your pre and post spawn stopping areas. It typically has something to do with heavy cover and these fish, that's what they're bred to do. I mean, that's something that just comes as natural as eating three times a day for us. It's one of those things where you try to find that. Now, they'll change the vegetation types and that's where it starts to get tricky. And also, then you deal with a lot of spraying and decayed stuff down here. And when you do that under those real bad situations, uh, Terry Scroggins proved it to us a couple years ago here, those decaying mats are typically something that we stray away from, but what that does, in my opinion, is creates additional heat and it will pull those fish to it. So there are certain situations where those are the ones that you want to look for, but at the same time, 95% of the time, that don't work. You know, you want to get as far away from that as you can. And then, of course, there's a lot of other things to look at, and I'll just, like I said, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. So I hope that helps answer your question. It's just something that they use and have always used, and I think will continue to always use if it's available. Well, that's good stuff, Chad. Well, I'll tell you what, you are not going to confuse me. I'm, I've got my notepad. <laughs> I'm taking notes as fast as you're talking. So. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, Chad, we can get you to hold the line. We're going to bring you back after a break to keep this discussion going and answer a listener question. Still more to come at Bass Edge Radio. Oh, oh. 
Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a Super Start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every Super Start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, Super Start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. Bass Edge Radio is back. This segment brought to you by Lucas High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It works. Chad, in your opinion, what is the one fishing technique that most anglers, many actually in my case that I don't understand, but think that they understand but really don't? And and what do they need to refocus on to become better at it? That's a great question. In my opinion, the one technique, it's not necessarily a bait. It's not a presentation that anglers miss out on to become better anglers. Kirk can verify this. I mean, to become a better angler, you have to be diversified. You have to be able to do a little bit of everything, and you have to be able to do it pretty efficiently, in my opinion. The biggest challenge whenever an angler is on the water is knowing and being able to identify those key areas and those so situations and then be able to pick the technique and be efficient at it to be able to maximize that situation. It's all about locating fish. I don't care if you're the best map puncher, flipper in the world at jigs, soft plastics, it doesn't matter. If you are not around the fish, you are not going to catch them. And I think for anglers to become as good as they can possibly be, they have to really work on picking up on the subtle details of locating those areas of fish and identifying what it is that they have just ran across and be able to repeat that and pattern that across that particular body of water. Other than that, it boils down to with today's challenges that are out there and the pressure that's out there, you have to be efficient at a little bit of everything from drop shotting all the way up to flipping. You think perhaps that we're starting at the wrong end of the horse, so to speak. Don't don't focus so much on the bait, but focus on the fundamentals of being able to locate the fish and get in front of or around a group of fish first. Exactly. Exactly. Those techniques only work for a short period of time that they're at their maximum efficiency throughout the year because the patterns change. The fish go pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn, you know, summer, fall patterns. So you have to change with them. The diversity is what is going to make you a better angler, in my opinion. Well, Chad, you know, that brings up a whole other, maybe a different topic, and, and that's a great answer. A lot of people don't really think of it that way. But, you know, obviously you're from Illinois uh, originally and from that Midwest area, and, you know, we talked a lot about the, in the last segment, you know, fishing in Florida and the vegetation and those types of things. I'm really interested to know, you know, obviously you became a good angler in the Midwest, and, and then you became an excellent angler in Florida, and that's probably come back to help you fishing back home. And what is it that you've learned maybe in Florida that you've been able to take back home and apply to those lakes in the Midwest that maybe you gained some additional knowledge in Florida that's now helping you catch more fish in that part of the country? You know, just being able to identify those irregular features within the areas that I'm fishing. In the Midwest, we typically deal with much smaller bodies of water. And um, of course, different situations as far as vegetation and shallow, but a lot of the stuff in the Midwest is shallow. So so that just helps. Now, to reverse that, Kurt, fishing in the Midwest actually helped me in Florida because I got used to 
and accustomed to fishing in heavily pressured areas with a lot of boats. You know as well as I do, it doesn't matter what size of body of water. Typically, your best anglers congregate in, in certain areas, and you have to learn how to outfish them. So same thing happens in Florida. Identify what you've got going on, be very proficient at it, and believe in yourself that whenever you get into a group of guys, and this happened in Florida, you know, the first time we had the monkey box tournament down there, that everybody in the world, I mean, the entire field was there. You have to learn to believe in yourself that I know there's a bunch of boats in here, but there's a bunch of fish in here, and I can outfish the majority of the guys in here, and I believe in myself that I can do that. I was able to take that back home. And then, of course, apply some of the techniques, you know, know when to lighten up the weight for that particular situation or change into a straight tail worm versus a heavy jig or the ounce and a half weight with a D-bomb or something of that nature on there and be able to adjust that bite or know when to throw the frog and when to lay it down. And then know in situations to where, okay, when you got a really good idea of how much weight that it's going to take, realizing that you may only get six or seven of those bites a day, that's what you are disciplined to fish for. So it really has helped me in a lot a lot of different ways become a better angler back home, not just back home, but around the nation as well. You know, just get in there, grind it out, believe in yourself, keep your head down, stay focused and go to work. That's really some of the things that's helped me out over the years. Yeah, that's one of the toughest aspects, that mental aspect. You see somebody, you know, fishing the same areas or same cover you are, and you think, well, that's done. You've got to go somewhere else. But in fact, just as you're speaking with, you really don't have to. You can work through that and, you know, just believe in yourself, mentally believe that you're going to catch fish that somebody else isn't catching and capitalize on an area that you found or, or an area of the lake that's the only maybe access area that you can fish. So uh, that's great stuff. Bass Edge listeners, if you ever see Chad, out there on the road, there is probably very little doubt that you will find his wife, Debbie, along with him. And uh, Chad, so so I've got a couple questions here real quick about Debbie, and I'm wanting to know what her biggest bass is. You, you've taken her all over the country to all these great fishing factories, and uh, what technique also would you be most worried about her out fishing you with? First of all, me and Debbie have been married for 23 years, so we've been around each other a lot. Years ago, I took her fishing with me all the time. And to be quite honest with you, I learned very quickly that anything to do with a finesse situation and patience is where she's going to absolutely put it to me. I mean, it's not <laughs> going to even be a, a question. And it's so, that, so that's, that's why you used to take her with you is what I'm gathering here. <laughs> there is the answer to that question. I don't take her with me no more. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't like to get out fished in my own boat. <laughs> oh, that's great. But, you know, she she has a lot to do here on the business side of it and uh, doesn't get the opportunity to go out with me very often. But uh, we've enjoyed some time on the water together. She's more of a sightseer. And then, of course, when she does go out, she does the video segments. But uh, I don't know what her biggest bass has been, but I know she caught it during a tournament that we fished on our wedding anniversary wow. way, way, way back when um, on Kentucky Lake. And nice. um, she caught the, not only the biggest, but the most that day. And that was pretty much the start of the end of the trips. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, hopefully some listeners will take that to heart. And if they can take their wife out there fishing every once in a while, sounds like the finesse techniques are the ones that she might be able to catch the most fish with. Chad, it's, it's great to have you here. And we love hearing the information as well as stories like that. And one in particular comes 
you know, really from a listener question. It's kind of the time of the show to where we're going to handle the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. And today's question is actually from Mark via BassEdge.com. And Mark asked, and I, I'm going to throw this out to both Kurt and Chad. And Chad, you can start us out. But the question is, do you guys feel the only way of survival for professional bass fishing is a merger of BASS and FLW? Again, that question is from Mark. Mark, that's, a, that's an excellent question. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, that would be a wonderful thing, and hence Kurt can verify this, you know, that uh, situation to merge those two to some extent exists within the Professional Anglers Association, but with FOW and Bass, they are such different business models. They both have their different business models. I don't see that ever happening. I would love to see it happen because I truly believe that our sport has so many different anglers that come in that the dilution is to the point to where it's hard for it to make it phenomenal for for any one organization to survive. But I don't know that they'll ever, you know, put their differences aside and their business models to come together to do that. I would love to see it happen. I think professional bass fishing will always exist to one extent or another. And I think there will always be opportunity out there. And that's what's the best thing that's great about this sport is it doesn't matter who you are. The opportunity is there. Now, it's getting more difficult to achieve because of the expenses that's involved and all the difficulties that surround it. But at the same time, I think that there's such a passion for bass fishing out there that someone, just like Jerry McKinnis when ESPN decided to sell BASS, uh, purchased it. I think that the passion is so great that someone at some point will always have an opportunity there, whether it be the Anglers with Professional Anglers Association or whether it be Jerry with BASS or whether it be Erwin Jacobs or someone different with FLW. I think they've created business models that do work and that have possibility, great possibilities you know, I don't ever see the merger happen, and I would love to see it happen. Chad, you bring up a lot of great points, and, and to uh, further examine Mark's question, I, I think if you take this back to, uh, you know, the old professional basketball days, the ABA and NBA, obviously once uh, one of those leagues faltered, you, you had a stronger league because you had less players in a bigger environment or a single league that created a bigger environment. And also, there's obviously certain monies that, that companies want to put their advertising in, you know, marketplaces. And when you have have so many marketplaces to put sponsor money and advertising money and those kinds of things, um, it obviously dilutes it the more uh, tournament organizations you have. Obviously, you've got the PAA that's really the Professional Language Association that's made for and, and run by the Professional Language, which is a nonprofit. So that's obviously a great thing, and hopefully that'll continue to get stronger, be better. But as far as Bass and FLW and that particular, you know, merger, I agree with Chad. You know, there's totally two different organizational structures there. If uh, one were to falter at some point, then um, I think it would make everything a little bit stronger. And just because obviously you go from three big leagues, Bass, FLW, PAA, to two leagues, whatever that may be. I think the biggest thing here for Mark too is to understand that professional anglers are independent contractors. So it's up to the anglers to go out and market themselves. Obviously, Chad's done a wonderful job of that throughout his career, but it's up to the anglers to make what they can out of it and create their own niche in the fishing industry. Chad's, you know, again, a great example of that, and, and I'm starting to find my way a little bit better, but uh, it takes time. It takes a lot of effort. Ultimately, it's up to the angler to be as strong as he can marketability-wise in the fishing industry. But again, Mark, 
great question for Bass Edge Radio, and thank you for sending it in. Don't forget to send in your city and state along with your questions, Mark. And uh, if you can contact us to receive that $100 gift card from O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people. For other Bass Edgers, send in those listener questions to Bass Edge Radio through our email, support at BassEdge.com, or post a question on our Bass Edge Facebook page. Well, Chad, again, thanks for taking time out and being with Kurt and I today on Bass Edge Radio. Any last words before we let you head back out on the water? Well, no. I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk with you and all the listeners. It's always a pleasure and an honor. And uh, Kurt, um, I hope that I've been able to help you out. And, you know, if you get on that big load down here in Florida, I certainly hope you don't lose my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly, old Chad. Thanks a lot. And uh, stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. This is FLW Tour Angler Brian Thrift. You're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. Kurt, I'm always amazed at what we are able to kind of get out of these interviews. And, you know, one of the things that Chad brought up was the term grinding it out. You know, and I think that is something that is applicable not only to fishing, but really just to life in general. And, you know, how many times do maybe you or me look at a situation and and perhaps we've given up too quickly? Right. You've got lots of big plans and then all of a sudden you go and put that plan into motion and it's not quite working out for you. But the key with that in bass fishing is that although you're not catching fish, you're always learning something. You know, Chad talked about, as you mentioned, grinding it out. Lots of fishing with no bites. But although you're not getting bites, you're eliminating a lot of different things. And, and although your plan might have been A going into the day, you know, always know that you could be going to B, C, D, and, and maybe even E just to, uh, you know, understand what the fish are doing. But just because you're not going out, not getting bites, doesn't mean that you're not a good angler. You're not doing something that you need to be doing to catch fish. It's just making those slight adjustments and grinding it out to catch more fish later on. Don't you think that's where kind of that component that we've had, uh, Dr. Jay McNamara, you know, who kind of really talks a lot about in his book, The Psychology of exceptional fishing right. that mental toughness comes into play there, there's no question you you've got to have the mental toughness and and be prepared to um you know just not have the fish jumping in the boat you know the bottom line is i don't care if you go to the best lake in the country or the worst lake in the country there there's fish in the water you just got to dial it in figure out how to make it happen and keeping it mentally focused and mentally aware that some of these adjustments are going to have to happen and just being strong about it absolutely all good stuff that brings us to the end of episode number 153 would like to thank all of our listeners and until next time 
Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Fast Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.